0: Welcome back, Pop Punk Posse. We're here this week with part two of Blink-182's Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. Without further ado, let's stage dive right back into it.
1: Number six, The Rock Show. This is their first single, I believe. And guess what, Mike? It's a pop-punk love song. Maybe the pop-punk love song. It's a pop-punk love song, Keenan, and there's only
0: two people that are fans of this particular love. It's the classic story of hanging out behind the club on the weekend, acting stupid, getting drunk with your best friends. Oh, my God. But still, in the back of your head, you can't wait for the summer and the warp Tour. That's the first time that you see this girl standing there.
1: Okay. Are you done? (laughs) Are you just going to quote the whole thing?
0: Yeah, it's about meeting a girl or meeting a guy at the rock show and falling for one another. And you're both these punks, these uh, adolescent punks that have no direction in life. And your parents tell you as much. Her parents hate you. Your parents hate her. The two of you both hate each other's parents. So it's like it all kind of evens out eventually. But
2: (laughs)
1: is that how that works?
0: Yeah. And then it's, you know, it's a relationship that you think has this bright future and moving to Vegas and getting married. And then it just peters out because it was just a a little fling thing going on in the summer.
1: Okay, can I ask you something about the song? Sure. Uh, What is the timeline of the song? I thought there were three potential time periods to it. One was... Could this be taking place all in one summer? Like they meet in the summer, they quote unquote fall in love in the summer and then they just kind of go their separate ways. Or is this like a summer camp thing where they like see each other every summer and it becomes this like summer fling that's constantly rekindled? Or did they meet in the summer and then they try to make it work past the summer and that's when things get sour because it's like the end of the honeymoon period. Like which one was it? I always
0: saw it as a short-term thing.
1: Okay, like all taking place within one summer.
0: Yeah, like you meet at the the Warp Tour concert, from there you probably hook up and you meet each other's friends and you think her friends hate you and then you continue hooking up over the summer like you can't wait for her parents to be out of town so you can go over and hook up or whatever. Yeah. And then there's that weird bridge where Mark breaks it down where it's like, you kept me waiting like black and white pictures, like this really sentimental bridge. (laughs) Yeah. uh, That makes it seem like this long loving relationship when I just got the idea that they were hooking up for a summer. And then there's all these grandiose plans that you make when you're, you're drinking or like young and you think you're in love, like we're going to get married. We're uh, 17, no purpose or direction. Like, let's just do it, baby. And then it's like, you come to your senses or,
1: or reality hits, and it's like, nope. We're both 17. Like, what are we doing right now? Yeah. We can't rent a car. <laughs> yeah, we're le- legally not allowed to at this point. Okay, that's helpful. I did think that that's what it was, too. I thought it was like this very short term, very juvenile relationship that ends up fizzling out because obviously it's going to.
0: Yeah, and even to your point, and what I was saying about like the whole like black and white pictures of her on my wall. For the longest time, I thought, what are they talking about? But like the more I think about it, I think it's probably like a photo booth, like a photo strip. Mm, yeah. You hang out at the mall or something and get like a photo booth strip made. And those oftentimes are black and white. Yeah, totally. So it's not like uh, you met her on the Titanic or something.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> those didn't take place in uh, 1918. Um, <laughs> yeah. What was the Titanic? 1912? 1912. 1997. <laughs> okay. Here's another question I have. Are concerts good places to meet girls? Do people meet at concerts? I think people do. I'm sure people do. And when I was
0: listening to this song again, I thought that there's definitely couples out there that did meet at different Warped Tour shows and probably are still together. So they probably have a special place for this song.
1: Oh, yeah. but It's probably their wedding song. I mean, it has to be, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, but Slow Down, uh, Punk Goes Acoustic or whatever. Yep. But in terms of meeting people, I feel like it would be difficult. It's the same... Way that I think that going to the movies as like a date where you're trying to get to know somebody isn't a great idea because there's just too much noise and sound and commotion that you can't really talk and, and get to know one another. I guess in between sets or in between songs, but yeah, I just always picture like the, hey, hey, this band rocks. Like kind of just like the opening to Weezer's The Sweater Song. Like this band is my favorite, man. They're so <laughs> yeah. rad. Like what's the deepest conversation you're really going to get? to, um, meeting a person at a rock show.
1: I actually have kind of a funny story about that. It wasn't at a rock show, but it was at an EDM show. And I remember vibing out. There's a big group of us. <laughs> vibing and, out. Yeah. We're just vibing out, dude. <laughs> and, uh, bumped into this girl and was like trying to talk to her or like trying to converse and be like, oh yeah, like, do you like this group? And literally couldn't hear a single word any of us were saying. So we started like texting each other and, with our phones just in front of us. And that's how we had to communicate. Like, we basically needed, like, a notepad to write stuff down. I was like, this feels really weird. I don't think I like this very much.
0: Yeah. And then your phone started melting. You're like,
1: whoa, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> yeah. Because of all the molly that we had taken.
0: Yeah. You're just yeah. tripping face. <laughs> that's right. So you kind of proved my point is that it's difficult, but doable.
1: Uh, I mean, I'm not married to her, so no.
0: Warp Tour is different, though, because... You know, there was breaks between sets, there was multiple stages, there was, like, other things to do. Yeah. You didn't have to be right by the speakers getting your eardrums blasted the whole day, so...
1: Yeah, dude, Warp Tour's a freaking community, Yeah, you know? there was more potential for, like, conversation, I guess. When I was doing some research, Mike, I actually found kind of a funny story about this song. Uh, apparently, when Blink was in the studio writing material for this new album, they sat down with their manager, Rick DeVoe, and he was the first person that they actually let listen to the new material. And he listened to most of it, and it was a little bit different than their earlier stuff. And basically his response to them was like, uh, okay, these are fine, but what? There's like no Blink-22 Good Time summer anthem songs? And Tom and Mark were so pissed that clearly he just wanted them to write like a, a single that was going to be super popular that they went home and specifically wrote the cheesiest catchiest throwaway summertime single and it became the rock show they wrote it in like 10 minutes and um that was like response to just him getting the single that he needed and apparently tom when he wrote first date it was like the same reaction that was him writing down this like super cheesy but super poppy song that became this all-time single of theirs It was a spite song, Mike.
0: Yeah, that's pretty funny, but credit to Mr. DeVoe because... It worked! Those are the Blink songs that I really love, and I think they are the the ones that are so... uh, Timeless. ...endearing all these years later. Yeah, so timeless. Yeah. As the first single, it also had a music video, and in keeping with that same theme of Blink uh, not giving a shit and just doing whatever they wanted, they were given a ton of money by their record label to go out and make a music video... Which they did, but they just kind of gave a ton of the money away and uh, used it on frivolous expenditures and just burned through it in a day.
1: Yeah. It was like, what do they do? They gave a homeless guy a makeover at one point. Um, They were like throwing money off the roof of random buildings and seeing the crowd that would come swarm.
0: They had strippers mow people's lawns.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. That part too. Which was an
0: interesting idea. Very blink. Yeah. My favorite part was... At the very end, they just had a car suspended from a crane, and then the crane just dropped the
1: car, and it just yep. like poof, just hit the ground. Pretty cool. Wow, that's so awesome. So this music video is basically an FU to management, and the song was essentially an FU to management. So the whole thing was just one big FU to management.
0: Pretty much. That's and, cool. Uh, yeah, I think $500,000 was the number I saw for the budget, which is insane to think about today. Like, I don't think I know. anybody makes a music video for that type of money anymore at least not maybe like taylor swift but yeah not your regular band it was a fun one though
1: track number seven stay together for the kids uh, this one's not quite as fun mike
0: no it's not keenan i see them every day we get along so why can't they if this is what he Keenan, before you uh, get too carried away with the themes and the serious nature of the song, let me just say this is my favorite song on the album.
1: Oh my god, this is your favorite song? Wow, that's a bit surprising to me.
0: Third single, so I'm guilty of what I accuse you of doing. where uh, You chose a deep track this week, so that's nice. That's right. I mean, we can get into why it's my favorite, but to start it off, this is a, a serious song. It's about the divorce rate in America. It's about a family dealing with the fallout from a divorce. The line that really stands out to me every time I listen to it is, if this is what he wants and this is what she wants, then why is there so much pain? Like, if this is the ultimate conclusion and the ultimate solution to all these marital issues that you've been having, why does it come with such, like, a painful process attached to it? Yeah. Which is an unanswerable question. It just always seems to be the case, or at least in most cases. I've seen some people in my life They have divorced parents and it's all good. You know, it worked out perfectly, but more often than not, there's just that resentment that lingers.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's pretty safe to say that more often than not, divorce is not a a happy process for the majority of people, but it definitely spawns from their own lives. I think I read before that both Tom and Mark had parents who were divorced and they both had very sort of tumultuous upbringings which is actually something that they really bond over. They bond over the fact that they came from these broken homes. Um, and it's why they understood each other. And I think they also said it's why they had such a crazy, you know, over the top vulgar sense of humor. It was, it was kind of a coping mechanism for the tough stuff that they had to go through. But I think it was specifically, this was Tom who wrote the song in reaction to his parents' divorce. Definitely one of their heavier, more emotional songs. I feel bad saying this, Mike, cause I know it's your favorite, but I did used to like the song back in the day, but it really isn't a song that I come back to just because I like the more upbeat ones these days. It's just like more fun. I don't know. I try to avoid this one. I think it's just like too sad and too emotional for me.
0: Maybe that's why when I went through these again, I chose it as my pair because I don't revisit it as much.
1: Yeah. So it was the freshest for you.
0: Yeah. To add to your point about Mark and Tom's parents, I think the story that I read was like Tom came home one day and all of his dad's stuff was outside And he's like, hey, I'm leaving. And Tom was like old enough, 17 or 18, where he was able to kind of just like go on living his life. But it still obviously affected him where it's like, okay, my dad's not around anymore. Also, in reading the Wikipedia article, Mark had this great line that I would just like to point out because over the past 11 months, having a second child, uh, it really hit home for me. Uh, Mark said, the thing you realize as you get older is that parents don't know what the hell they're doing, and neither will you when you get to be a parent. You've just got to understand that people are human and they make mistakes. Yeah. And we've talked about that before where it was like when you're little, your parents know everything, and then you get to a certain age, it's like how much did they actually know and how much were they just like hoping turned out okay in the end? Yeah. This is an example of when things don't turn out okay. That was like cool reading that because I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm just trying my best like everybody else.
1: Yeah. Parents are still the same, like, stupid, naive kids that we are just a few years older than us with a couple more years of experience, but, um, yeah. So I'm trying to think about why this was my favorite song,
0: and I do have a personal anecdote for this one. Would you like to hear?
1: (laughs) Is it going to make me sad?
0: No. Okay. It's not related to the theme of the song at all, but... (laughs) Right. Going back to Tom, my best friend that stole my, uh, Date freshman year, whenever that was, yeah, we were in a little band back in high school called Glory Falls, which was he played guitar and I sang. And uh, what a band! I know we talked about it before, but anyway, we wanted to try out for the battle of the bands at our high school, uh, but we wanted to form a full band to try out, and so. This was actually going to be our audition song for the Battle of the Bands. Wow. And it was me singing, Tommy on guitar, Jim Mayen on bass, and Andrew McLean on drums. Oh my God. So we had like multiple band practices at Tom's house, and we pretty much just played this song over and over because <laughs> a lot of people tried out. So it didn't really matter what other songs we could play, but we just had to make it first. Yeah. And then we had signed up, and then the last day, we all were, like, standing in the foyer, and we're like, we don't want to do this. So we just scratched our names off the list. <laughs> oh,
1: my God. Uh, I'm so happy you didn't. That would have been, like, not the vibe for Battle of the Bands, I don't think.
0: No, just a tryout, though. But So I remember singing in Tom's basement, and that's when I really got into it, like, the emotion okay. behind it. That makes more sense then. So it still kind of takes me back to, like, those um, angsty years. and yeah. Coming from a, a pair of loving parents that never got divorced, I could really relate to <laughs> I was going to so,
1: say, does it relate to you because of your upbringing? Um, that's a much happier and more interesting story than I was anticipating. But uh, no, I, I think at the end of the day, it's still a great song. And I used to love it. I used to be like, oh, this is so heavy and like so emotional. It just doesn't really relate to me anymore. I guess similarly because my parents are still together. And yeah, that's okay. I'm not married and going through divorce, so
0: yet oh man not yet baby it's coming for at least half of us according to the music video
1: that's true yeah so the music video mike it's uh it's as emotional as the song i think
0: yeah it's uh i actually read somewhere i don't know where i could have read this uh (laughs) it's a wikipedia for this music video not wikipedia (laughs) but uh so this album came out in June, 2001, and we all know what happened shortly thereafter in September of 2001. Uh, the imagery of this music video presented a little bit of a problem initially. It's a wrecking ball, just destroying, uh, the structure of a home essentially. And I guess they thought that was too much of a connection between nine 11 and, and that. So I read that that was removed, but it's, it's back in the YouTube version. So I just thought that was interesting that they edited that out. But yeah, it's a lot of kids that are sad and depressed. And uh, it's kind of just the band playing. And then during the choruses, all the emo sad kids that <laughs> whose parents are getting divorced just like kind of mosh <laughs> while uh, the wrecking ball destroys this house. Huh. I'm not laughing. It's what a just bummer. The, the vibe is so weird. It's like, I know. They're all standing around for the verses. And then the chorus are like, F- yeah. And they just like start <laughs> yeah. like, kicking stuff (laughs) uh yeah
1: it's just such a downer
0: it's so hard for a fun band to do this kind of song i know they do it on adam's song uh good charlotte did it with hold on like i think the songs as a whole are very good i'm sure when i was 14 i'm like this is the deepest thing i've ever watched in my life but now looking back i'm like it's a good song and the music video definitely makes its point. But I just think it's funny that they all start moshing out on the choruses. That's all.
1: I'm sad, Mike. I need a pick-me-up. How about track number eight, Roller Coaster?
0: Keenan, if there was a Blink-182 amusement park, there would only be two rides. A carousel and a roller coaster.
1: Oh, I like what you did there. Thanks. Wow.
2: Um
1: okay what do you think of the song Mike Sounds like a roller coaster of a relationship Keenan I think you're right, Mike. I think this is the perspective of somebody who just got out of a relationship, and it's the confusion that follows after probably being dumped, right?
0: Yeah, there's that imagery of, let me kiss you one last time, still holding on to the hope that maybe this isn't over. Like, could this actually be happening? Uh, Did this all really fall apart? You know, Mark says... I'm finding strength to call and ask her like he kind of still wants her back. And it seems as though she's just completely moved on.
1: Yeah, I think it just really captures the anxiety of young relationship. And, you know, when it's like your first relationship or one of your first relationships, when it ends, it is kind of confusing or it can be fairly complex emotionally. Like, what did I do wrong? Like, you never know what you did wrong. And you're always looking for clarification. I think that's what the person in the song is trying to look for, like what did I do wrong? How could I have changed it so that it wasn't this kind of shitty outcome?
0: Yeah, I think when you're younger, uh every relationship you have is like the most important and serious relationship of your life until the next one comes along and then yeah. that replaces it. So, uh in the moment, it does feel, you know, like a very big deal and uh especially when it seems like we've talked about this before. It seems like the other person's doing just fine without you. Uh, It's especially hard to come to grips with.
1: One of the things that I always loved about the song, Mike, which I still find funny to this day, is like the elevating dream references or dream sequences from chorus to chorus or verse to verse. When Mark originally talks about, I had that dream about you again, where I wait outside until you let me in. It's like, okay, that's fairly like, (laughs) you know, that's fairly innocent. And then you get to the next one, it's like, I had that dream about you again where you drive my car right off a f***ing cliff. It's like, oh my God, how did we get to this point? It's like so different, so unexpected. Always like that.
0: I never really even noticed the stark differences between those two lines, but you're absolutely right. They're still haunting your dreams. And in some regards, you have the dreams about the happy times of like going over and being accepted into their home. And then other times you're like... Oh, my God, they destroyed my life, or they tried to.
1: You killed us both, yeah.
0: Yeah. Do you have
1: any recurring dreams about Abby? No, I really that don't. She never shows up in your dreams? Well, except for the, you know, wink-wink ones. Oh. Uh, I mean, yeah, she's <laughs> in my dreams. I mean, she's the girl of your dreams, obviously, but is she yes. in your dreams? Yes, that goes without saying. Okay,
0: good. By recurring dreams, you mean the same dream over and over,
1: or well, just... Well, yeah, are there any, like... Specific dreams that you have where she's usually in it, or like you know, not really. I mean, she's in a lot of my dreams just because she's
0: like one of the three people that I see every single day. Any memorable ones? Any good ones recently? No, I haven't had one in a while, <laughs> but uh, every once in a while I would have those dreams. Like, do you ever think that somebody's mad at you when you wake up because they were mad at you in your dream? Yeah, always. So that that's happened before where okay, something. You know, I do something stupid in my dream and she's upset with me <laughs> yeah. and then I'll wake up and I'll be like, hey, she's like, hi, good morning. I'm like, wait, you're okay. Like, we're good.
1: It's like, yeah, what What are you talking about? Or do you ever have the ones where she like cheats on you in the dream and then you wake up like pissed off?
0: No, she wouldn't do that. Don't have those? Wow. No, not yet. <laughs> not yet. On your way, though. Man, I have the most boring. I don't even have dreams where I cheat on her. Like, I don't do anything exciting in my dreams. Wow. Just like real life. Boring. The worst part about it is like, you know, you wake up and you essentially for immediately forget what you dreamt about. True. Yeah. But um, I'll write some more of my dreams
1: down for the next time this this topic comes up. Perfect. Thanks, Mike. Yeah. Track number nine, Reckless Abandon. All right, Mike, back to the fun shit. Good old teenage debauchery. Drinking, partying, getting into trouble. <laughs> Finally.
0: This was the song that I actually think is a better companion to Anthem. Like, more so than Anthem Part 2.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Whenever
0: I hear this one, I'm like, this is just, like, a continuation of, like, going to parties and just taking things too far in, like, every sense of the way you can take things too far.
1: Yeah. It felt to me like the summer after graduating high school when you feel like you have no obligations You're about to start that next chapter and you're basically having this one big blowout summer before you actually have to start Real Responsibility. So yeah, all those things were kind of contained with it, like going out, not having a care in the world, drinking till the early hours of the morning. They were all things that were happening in this song. It was really the time that you felt like most invincible, right? Like there was nothing that could really stop you. You
0: had no summer reading obligations. (laughs) No math packets. (laughs) Remember math packets?
1: packets? Ugh, what a nightmare. You
0: were already kind of just waiting to go to college. I mean, that's the path we took. So we kind of had it easy because it was like summer vacation. I'm sure if you started working right out of high school, you probably don't have those same memories. But That's true. In our sense, a lot of my friends had already started school at Penn State for the summer session. So our buddy Steve was already up there. Um, so, I got to go visit him a couple times and get that first real taste of, like, what college life was. So, yeah, to your point, like, just being 18 and being away for the weekend for probably, like, one of the few times in my life and walking around downtown. And, like, it was the summer, so there's not a ton of people there. Uh So, yeah. you could, like, go to, like, frat parties and, like, house parties. Like, everybody that was around just kind of, like, would show up and do stuff. So, That was cool. I remember just being so excited to go to college after I would get back
1: from one of those weekends. That really was the best summer. I think the summer going into college was by far like the most fun summer.
0: 2009. I think about it all the time. (laughs) We did a ton of stuff that summer. I remember doing a ton of stuff with my camp friends that summer. Yeah. There's a lot of like cool like memories. You're old enough to drive, not old enough to drink, but old enough to like, Eh. you know be able to drink if you wanted to old enough
1: to dabble yeah. right
0: so it's like that perfect middle ground of like the ability to do all these things but still not having responsibility to have to do other certain things <laughs> yeah i remember the summer after college i <laughs> wanted to have that same vibe but it was like gotta find a job
1: yeah it was never the same it gotta was like, oh, save some money do i do internships like oh, i gotta move back home yeah. right even
0: before college there was no worry about like uh, what am I going to put on my resume? Yeah. It's like, it's like, just your parents probably just wanted you to get out of the house and like yeah. you could drive and hang out with your friends and do whatever you wanted. So within reason, within reason, which these guys do not do.
1: No, no. Yeah. Back then it was just like, all right, how many natty lights am I going to drink at Swaymer's house tonight? Swaymer. Am I going to vomit? Let's see. <laughs> Where am I going to vomit tonight? <laughs> yeah. Am I going to make it to the toilet or is it going to be in the bathtub? <laughs> Uh, Didn't somebody vomit in this one? Yeah.
0: He took a shit in the bathroom tub and fed the dog brownie drugs. (laughs) Oh, yeah.
1: A lot of hijinks.
0: So puking in the tub. Somebody probably threw up somewhere.
1: Yeah, he was like, took a sip of alcohol and then he was kneeling in bathroom stalls, right?
0: Yeah, I always love that thought of like, well, this is going to be a really fun night. We're going to have two or three beers and then it's like 2.30 in the morning and everybody's like yeah but um yeah that was us good times a couple nights like that <laughs>
1: yeah only a couple though bro <laughs> track number 10 every time i look for you one more point
2: of contention i need some intervention I push with paying intentions betray my short attention span the
1: Mike, I'm bringing back nobody's favorite segment, not even mine. I don't think anybody enjoys it, but it's important for a tradition. This week's doppelganger,
0: Mike. Oh, Keenan, I cannot wait to pretend like I know what you're talking
1: about. <laughs> you might actually recognize this one. Okay. This one could be uh could be a home run for me. This one is a blink doppelganger blink. Or What? This one is blink doppelganging blink. Is that how you'd say that? <laughs> Maybe. Link
0: and you'll miss it, Keenan. <laughs>
1: uh, the opening chords of this song, or should I say the opening chord of this song, is literally the exact same chord in their song Down, which comes out in their self-titled album. Ah, okay. Cool. So like, yeah, listen to the opening of this one. Never found out why you left here. And then the opening of down is literally just the same thing. Isn't that kind of crazy?
0: Well, the chorus says, every time I look for you, the sun goes down, Keenan. Whoa!
1: Another connection? That's kind of wild. Every time
0: I look for you, the song goes
1: down, 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 down. (laughs) I think they may have pulled a fast one on us here. But yeah, I hear that that chord, and I immediately think of both of these songs. I never know which one it is right away. The theme of the song, I think, is about feeling guilty after a failed relationship, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I think it's kind of doing a self-analysis of reflecting on the role that you had in a failed relationship. You know, so often we see, you know, the protagonist or singer blaming the other person. And this one kind of takes a different route. Mark's really taking a look at himself and what he should have done differently to have kept this person around longer.
1: And there's this element of it where he wants to make things right, but he knows that it's probably unattainable. It's probably never going to happen. But if, if he could, in a perfect world, he would be able to kind of mend things and move on. But it doesn't seem like he's really able to do that. And I think for most of us, that never really happens. You never have that closure. You never have that uh moment with the person where you're like, okay, where did we go wrong here? What do they call that? A postmortem? Sure. At least in the office man! <laughs> How the fuck are you just gonna throw that one at me? <laughs> <laughs> Eleven o'clock, dude. I don't know what the- <laughs> At least in the office when uh when Jan talks to Michael about having a postmortem, I'm pretty sure this is what they refer to. Does that mean after death? After life? It does mean after death. It's like something you would do. I think it's just an autopsy in. Sounds very MCR. Yeah, it is. Um but no, a postmortem is I I think is when you assess what happened at the end of a failed relationship.
0: Okay, interesting. I'll take your word for it. Okay, so you had your doppelganger. We related every time I look for you, the sun goes down to down. Mm-hmm. So I thought that this track would be a nice companion piece to Don't Leave Me off of Enema. Can you indulge me for a minute? I'll give you one minute, Mike. Ten minutes. Oh, boy. <laughs> so the <laughs> Don't Leave Me, the, the chorus is, she said, I'm not the one that she thinks about. And she said, it stopped being fun. I just bring her down. Oh. I said, don't let your future be destroyed by my past. She said, don't let my door hit your ass. <laughs> and in this song, Keenan Mark sings, yep. I never did do anything that she asked. I never let what happened stay in the past. I never did quite understand what she meant in spite of everything. And he says, every time I look for you, the sun goes down. Will the last one out please shut the door?
1: Whoa, that's kind of crazy, actually. That's an interesting little tidbit. Said, Thanks. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad you gave me that minute? <laughs> yeah. I'm just happy it was a minute. Yeah. A couple
0: different lines like relate to one another. And um, that is cool.
1: Yeah. I think they have to be.
0: They're both Mark songs the same way that Josie and online songs, I think are nice companion pieces. I think those two songs work well together.
1: That's great. That's a cool connection. Was there anything written about that online or is this something that you actually just kind of stumbled upon? Uh, There
0: very well could be something online, but this was just something that I had thought about. Yeah. Nice. The line, uh, "Will the last one out please shut the door," uh, which again is bringing closure to everything. That's right. Yeah. Close the book, close the door on this whole chapter of your life, but don't leave me. I think it's my one of my favorite songs off of Enema. So, don't let the door hit your ass. That the door <laughs> was a kind of made me like think like that's a weird line to use multiple times about closing a door
1: or don't yeah. let the door hit you on the way out. Kind of clued you into it. Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Will you indulge me for? One minute, maybe less. Yeah, let's get, Why not at this point? Yeah, we might as well just jump in. Uh, what'd you say? Head first, get our feet wet a little bit. Let's dive in head first and get our feet wet. There you go. Um, there was a interesting line that I wanted to discuss with you. More time apart will give you a few more months to argue, which I thought was interesting. It's like, okay, it seems like that could mean going on a break, right? Like, oh, let's drag this out for a few more months just so we can continue to fight. Do you? have friends who've been on breaks do breaks actually work have they ever worked breaks don't work yeah okay that i'm happy we're in agreement there they never work there's no reason to break except
0: both people go hook up with other people maybe but i just think both people are too afraid to end it right so a break is like the the slow bend you know the break is not the break it's a slow bend before the break but
1: I just love that back in those days before our brains were fully formed, it was like, (laughs) Oh, if we want to fix things, let's just spend a ton of time apart doing our own stuff instead of actually sitting here and like figuring it out. It's like, okay, how is that? Let's drift further apart as opposed to like sitting down and solving this. It's so funny.
0: I guess it's rooted in the whole like distance makes the heart grow fonder.
1: Yeah. But,
0: but that doesn't always work. I will say like, You know, we spend a lot of time, my family and I, in this this house of ours. And uh, when they're out for the day or or I'm out somewhere and I come home, you do miss them when they're gone. And you do like to see them when you get back home. So there might be some truth in that. But if you're no longer in love with a person, I don't think taking a couple of months off is going to uh, going to fix that. I did see something interesting recently where... I don't know who – it was some tweet or something. So take it with a grain of salt. But somebody was making the argument that when people cheat or try to leave their significant other for somebody else, usually the person they're with has like 90% of all the good things that you want. And the person you leave them for has that other 10% that you're missing. Ooh. And then you leave them and you realize, wait, well, now I'm missing the 90% that I took for granted because it was just there. So, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, which kind of makes sense because it's like, I love my girlfriend, but uh, I don't want a girl with a big behind, so I'm going <laughs> to go find others. And then, and then you, you get, find a bigger behind, but... But she's brain dead. <laughs> it's like, I missed this, the stimulating conversation I used to have. Oh, wow. Okay. That's so interesting. Maybe, maybe the idea is you take
1: a break, you realize that... You realize that the grass isn't always greener. Right. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Much. I just don't think it always works out that way. In fact, I think it never works out that way. Who cares? They're stupid. True. That's true. If you're taking a break, just end it, okay? I'm with you. We are in agreement there, Mike. Track 11, Give Me One Good Reason.
2: I like the you say, they listen to the punk rock. I like the kids who fight against how they were brought. Prom-
1: like a a real pop punk anthem to me mike this is like the original version of good charlotte's the anthem isn't it
0: this is the classic pop punk song about not fitting in your parents don't get it your friends don't get it nobody gets you you're just different
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. but blink saying it's okay to be that way right this is like we're with you. Like, we support all these weirdo kids who listen to punk rock music.
0: Yeah. It's just like, let's let's be different together. Yeah. Which I, yeah, yeah. I think is kind of cool. I think this sort of served its purpose back in the day. I think these days it's a lot easier to find people like you thanks to the World Wide Web and technology. Mm. Um, I'm sure back in 2001 and, and the years prior... It was kind of hard. Like if you were the outcast of your little social circle, uh, that probably was really tough because you couldn't just like log on to like, (laughs) I don't know, mylittlepony.com and like find (laughs) other guys that are like you. Oh, you mean your uh, your homepage right now? Yeah. Yeah. The (laughs) BronyCon. Yep. (laughs) People make fun of that kind of stuff, but it's so true. It's like everybody has different interests and uh, somebody else out there likes the same crazy stuff you do.
1: Well, I think we've talked about this before in previous episodes, but, like, the things that used to be considered weird, like (laughs) My Little Pony and, um, I don't know, like, more broadly, video games and, like, cartoons and stuff. Now those things are popular. So, like, it's cool to be different now. Like, we respect people that are different. Emo kids are – that's in now. It's, like, fine to be emotional. You know what I mean? Yeah. Dude, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is, like, the
0: biggest money-printing franchise Yeah. Whatever in Hollywood. And it used to be
1: weird to like be into comics, but now it's like super cool to be into superheroes.
0: Yeah. And that like that kind of started. I mean, I guess there was always the Batman movies, but I feel like the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man really sparked the next generation of like, oh, wow, we can make tons of money with superhero movies. But yeah, nerd culture is kind of cool now. And that's almost annoying in the same way that like. It was annoying when nobody liked the same stuff you like. Now it's like yeah. too many people like it. It's <laughs> yeah. not cool anymore.
1: Oh, it's about to be like a flip. It's about to be like counter counter culture, isn't it? Yeah. Oh my god. It's gonna be cool to be a jock again. Yes.
0: Every single afternoon cartoon from when you were a kid is being turned into a CGI movie. <laughs> yeah. For a nostalgia profit. Yep. It's like oh for sure. The Smurf
1: Seven. <laughs> Who who's asking oh. for this? fast seven smurf seven sonic the hedgehog 2 oh my god track number 12 shut up no (laughs) oh sorry mike i wasn't directing that at you
0: (laughs) oh okay (laughs) keenan
1: This one seems like it's somebody trying to get out of a toxic relationship.
0: I love the way this one opens, Keenan. Don't you? Totally. Whoa! They're cursing on this record. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I think this is all about toxic relationship and uh, somebody like actually realizing that they're in a toxic relationship, like we see so often in real life and in art, that the person in these toxic terrible relationships often are just blind to the fact that they're in them until it's too late or until they're just so run down that they're just there's no other choice other than to get out of them in this one mark is like this girl is constantly putting him down telling him he's worthless telling him he's never going to amount to anything just really really going in on him it's him kind of finding his way out of that and realizing like hey hey no no like you don't get to tell me like my worth and my value.
1: Now, do you get the sense that this is a romantic relationship, like a boyfriend, girlfriend?
0: Yeah, I did. At least I thought it was like, maybe there's no romance left, but I think it started as like a romantic relationship. And now it seems like you're just living together and like paying rent together. And all she does is just belittle you all day. Kind of like my current
1: setup. (laughs) This song once again is about you. Wow. Every song this album is about you, Mike. See, I wasn't sold on the fact that it was like a romantic relationship with boyfriend, girlfriend. I thought- His mom? Well, yeah, because there were references to like friends moving away, asking for permission to do stuff, running away, which is like kid shit. And so I got the image of like a burnout kid who just graduated high school, but never went to college, is still living at home and is constantly being nagged by his parents, or in this case, his mom- about like doing something more with his life. That was the, the story that I thought was being told. I mean, I think it could go both ways, but like, that's what I was hearing.
0: It definitely could be his mom or a parental role, too, because all like, I'll never ask permission from you or I'm never coming home. That's definitely more. Sounds like a kid. Yeah, it does. I guess I just my mind never went there because uh, my mom never screamed shut the fuck up at me. (laughs) Yes, she did. And you know it.
1: (laughs) No, not not (laughs) recently. I think I've heard her say that. (laughs) Not
0: recently. I just always immediately went to like a blowout fight or something yeah
1: abby does it more than your mom does exactly is yeah yeah honestly
0: okay. in terms of like who calls me as an idiot more often abby <laughs> yeah, definitely deadbeat
2: has my... <laughs> on the couch
0: yeah. yeah
2: your life is meaningless you <laughs>
1: stupid <laughs> piece of shit <laughs> uh you heard that just before we started recording didn't you
0: yeah we're actually Tell gonna have to that. edit it out at the beginning of this episode <laughs> oh jeez. just kidding just just kidding for the record well are you though let the record show that i am just kidding She doesn't say it. She just thinks it.
1: That's true. Um, And sometimes says it. (laughs) It's kind of funny because I do think about the flip side of that nowadays. And you probably do too. Like if this was about a deadbeat kid living at home, like not doing anything with his life, we as kids would be like, oh, that's so mean of the parent to like say those things. But now you're a parent. And if you're in that situation, it's like it's my duty and my responsibility to like get this kid off my couch and get them to become – a functioning member of society. So I don't know. I feel like if I was a dad, I would relate more <laughs> towards the other person in the song.
0: Yeah. And I'll add like, there can definitely be toxic relationships that are between family members too. Like it doesn't have to be yeah. a romantic relationship. I feel like sometimes those are the hardest ones to see your way out of just because it's like, there's history there, but yeah, to a certain extent you do just want what's best for your kids And sometimes, man, Jack is three and he can be really stubborn. And I'll say to him. You want to say
1: these things to him? (laughs) I won't say
0: these things to him, but I'll say to him, buddy, do you know that literally every single thing your mom and I do in our lives, we do for your benefit?
1: Do you say that to him? Yeah. Does it resonate with a three-year-old?
0: He just says, I want to watch Cars. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's just watch Cars. Yeah. So there is that, like. And I never realized that until I became a parent. I knew my parents cared about me, but I never realized that, like, every single thing was for me. Yeah. And I had a really good relationship with my parents and appreciated them in the moment. But now it's just like, holy shit. Those times I came down on Christmas and there was a ton of stuff there, that wasn't just there, you know? Like, yeah. They saved money and, like, went out and, like.
1: Wait, what do you mean? No, Santa dropped it off, right?
0: Cannon, Keenan, Keenan. And they couldn't even order it off Amazon. They had to go to the store, find it. Yeah. And then I would come down and be like, okay. And like throw it, toss it to the
1: side. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This wasn't exactly what I wanted. I wanted the blue version of
0: this. (laughs) Right, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a nicer way to say it. But I guess if your deadbeat son is just sitting on your couch at a certain point, you got to be like, man, like, yeah. You got to figure this out. Oh, man. Thanks, mom and dad. If we're still doing this, 15 years I'll let you know how that conversation goes <laughs> yeah Jack is definitely going to be
1: the kid that pushes our buttons <laughs> uh, God love him we do track number 13 Please Take Me Home Be strong when things fall apart
2: Honest this breaks my heart Jay! Yeah, yeah.
1: This was an interesting one, Mike. This is a theme that we don't typically discuss. It's two friends who fall for each other, date for a while, break up, and then have to deal with the uncomfortable situation that happens at the end of something like that. This is exactly what I was afraid of, Keenan. That's right. She didn't want to ruin your perfect friendship, Mike.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. This is actually, like... A lot of what I thought when Abby and I first started dating, a lot of the whole holdup, I guess, the really only drawback was what if this doesn't work out? And this really great friendship that uh, I believe is blossoming into more than a friendship will revert back to nothing. Yeah. We'll go back. Or worse than nothing. Negative. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like splitting up friend groups, being enemies forever.
0: Exactly. Net negative of everything. Luckily, that wasn't the case, but this happens all the time where it's like you're great friends and then you screw things up by screwing, kind of.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's such an interesting concept because there are people out there that have a blanket rule of like, don't get involved with friends. But I totally disagree with that. I think sometimes that's just the natural progression of things, right? Like you start out as friends, develop these romantic relationships because you get closer and closer and then you act upon those, you know, urges or desires, I don't think that should be a blanket rule. I think every situation is different and sometimes it just happens.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're not going to get an argument from me. I think it's easier to be a a friend first and then for those romantic feelings to sprout up than it is to like hook up and then try to form a friendship because of that. Yeah. That just seems Yeah. Like you've already established
1: a rapport with them and it's like, oh, this could be something more than that.
0: Right. Not only do they think I'm funny, but they also think I'm not repulsive.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. I do think from personal experience, though, if you do act upon those feelings, you do know what you're signing up for. You do kind of risk that things will never be the same afterwards. And sometimes it's worth that risk. In our own experience, Mike, we've been in friend groups. And, you know, me personally, I've dated people that I was friends with and then had it end and sometimes it does cause a rift and sometimes you can get over it and things are fine i've just had different situations with different people
0: it just depends like it's uh you're a pretty easygoing guy and i'm sure
1: i am thanks mike
0: to a certain extent maybe it helps you see the true strength of the initial friendship because i'm sure there are certain scenarios where it's like whatever even if we can't make it work romantically like the friendship was just too strong to, like, completely forget about. And then other times, like, eh, maybe the
1: friendship was just me trying to hook
0: up with you, like, and I (laughs) didn't realize
1: it. That's another blanket statement or another, like, saying that this song reminded me of. It was like, what is that stupid saying? Like, oh, girls can never have guy friends because guys just want to hook up with them.
0: Yeah. Do you agree with that? I, I don't because, like, I have one wife and I have a lot of friends that are girls that I've never... Well,
1: before you were married, though, I feel like it's a lot different before you were married. I feel like a lot of times when guys are friends with girls, there is always that like little bit of hope that maybe something might happen.
0: I think in general, like as a general rule, guys probably are more likely to be into their friends that are girls than girls are to be into their friends that are guys. Yeah, uh, But I never... I don't know. I'd only ever started a friendship for the sole purpose of, like, I don't think you're hot. Like, <laughs> there's always at least one other aspect that I thought was, like, like a positive. But to the extent that, yeah. like, my mom asked me if I was gay, like, in college, she's like, hey, you know, like, if you don't like girls, like, that's totally fine. i was like, oh, no, no, it's okay. Like,
1: Did she do that? This is news to me. I never knew that conversation happened. Oh, really? Yeah, happened.
0: I mean, <laughs> she was trying to be really cool, like...
1: Yeah, cool, progressive mom.
0: Exactly. Like, this is what, back in, like, 2010? And from her perspective, I kind of get it, because she's like, you always bring girls to the house, and, like, but you never have, like, a girlfriend. So in her mind, she's like, what's going on? I'm like, oh, no, like, I just, they're just my friends. Like I don't know. Like, I'll let you know. And so she was shocked when I came home for uh, winter break, and Abby actually drove me home, and I was like, oh, yeah, I, I like this girl. Like, I really like her. And she's like, oh, wow, okay, it's cool. She was just trying to be cool.
1: Yeah. What a cool mom.
0: Yeah.
1: Good to know. No, I think this was an interesting song. I actually really do like this song, but I also think that this song's cool because I think it ties a nice little bow on the album. The line where it says, I bet you're sad. This is the best time we ever had. That's relating to the guy saying, oh, this was kind of a fun thing while it lasted, even though this relationship didn't work out. Mm -hmm. But also I think that's them saying oh, I bet you guys are sad as listeners. This was the best time we ever had as a group experiencing this album together. I thought this was like them maybe breaking the fourth wall a little bit and ending the album in like a, I don't know, kind of a reflective way. I wasn't sad as a whole though, so I don't think they
0: should make that assumption. <laughs>
1: okay. No, you're sad that it's over. It was so good that now it's over and oh. you got to move on to the next the next record. That... I
0: thought you meant like I was sad for them like that he hooked up with his friend and then that didn't
1: go No. Well. No, I'm talking about Blink talking to you as like a band and you're listening to the album. It's like, oh, this is I love this great album's make, over like, now. You make like
0: this uh, like fourth dimensional observation and I just completely like, what? <laughs>
1: yeah, we, I'm having, this guy's having fun. What? Uh, it's okay, Mike. We're a little rusty. We're just getting back into the swing of things.
0: Hey, so is Blink. So we're getting back into the swing of things together. There you go.
1: I love that album, Mike. It's such a good one. I actually think that this is my favorite Blink album of all time, which is kind of crazy to admit because...
2: Woohoo!
1: Yeah, all their albums are so good, but I don't know. There's something about this one. This was one of the first ones that I had, I'm pretty sure. I think somebody, probably Dave Dixon, lent this to me. So I used to listen to this album all the time on like family road trips and vacations, and it just has always kind of stuck with me through the years. And it's so good, like... Not only are the first, whatever, 13 songs in the album good, but this one also had a bunch of bonus tracks that could easily have been on other Blink albums. Songs like What Went Wrong? Don't Tell Me It's Over. And then they had a couple like really funny, kind of goofy classic Blink joke songs like Fuck a Dog and When You Fucked Grandpa. <laughs> so I know we don't typically discuss bonus tracks. We're not going to now, but I did want to acknowledge that, you know, even the bonus tracks stand out on this one.
0: I think I still gotta give the edge to Enema. That's yeah, fair. It's like one A and one B. I think they really perfected everything with Enema. I think this was a lot of trying to recreate that. And as we discussed mostly from a managerial standpoint, I think <laughs> the guys in the band were ready to like take that next step and that next evolution, which we eventually saw with self-titled and a couple years after this. Yeah. Um, but man, like it's still so good. I don't listen to this one quite as often as Anima or Self-Titled. Like, this is probably, of those three big ones, this is the one I go back to the least. But, yeah, man, it was re- nice for revisiting these songs because they still hold up uh, very, very well, as you said. And the bonus tracks, man. I remember listening to F a Dog on <laughs> some random person's MP3 player <laughs> yeah. on the gymnasium floor w- during play practice in, like, 7th oh. or 8th grade. And just thinking, like, this is the height of all comedy. This is punk rock, baby. But man, it's good to be back, Enon. It is good to be back. Good to see you. It's been a long time. Uh, We'll see if we make any more episodes after this one. (laughs) But if we don't, we knew that we had to do Blink. Uh, We're back. They're back. They are back. They're going on their worldwide tour. I can't uh, help but be super excited for the new album. I have low expectations. I'm not going to like, you know, I'm not going to expect the next self title or the next take off your pants and jacket. But I'm just happy the boys are back together making music again and enjoying each other's company. I think that's the most important thing. Me too, Mike. Me too.
1: Thanks for coming back, guys. Sorry again for that uh, fairly long hiatus, but we heard you. We heard you wanted season three, so we decided to buckle down and crank some out, and here we are. Next week's episode, we will be discussing some 41's Does This Look Infected? Also one of my all-timers, Mike.
0: Our third some 41 album we've discussed on the pod, Keenan. I'm excited, though. If you missed us, drop us a line. Tell us how happy you are that we're back poppunkproject@gmail.com. gmail.com. We should probably check that email, huh? <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm sure it's it's there's uh, so much spam in there at this probably point. So many twenty percent off coupons for Bed Bath and Beyond in there. Oh yeah. Instagram and Twitter at
1: poppunkproject and patreon.com slash poppunkproject. Now Mike, if you wouldn't mind, uh I'm gonna hang up. I gotta go uh take off my pants and jacket now.
0: Uh, fine, Keenan. Just go ahead and get it over with. I could tell you were edging the whole episode.
1: <laughs> oh, good one, Mike. Blinks back, Keen. The hair back, and we're back. Thank you all again. And as always, we hope you had the time of your lives. Good to be back, but also good riddance. Peace.